I want, to, I want to ask you to kind of take yourself back for a minute, or for those of you who are a little younger, this might be hard for you to take yourself back because you weren't born yet, to September 11th, 2001. If you weren't born at that time, I'm sure you know about that time. Those of us who are older, we remember that day very clearly, that day when uh, two uh, airliners flew into the World Trade Towers and one jetliner flew into uh, the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., And probably a lot of us remember where we were on that day. And if you were still a thought in your parents' mind, you could just kind of imagine this day. Two airliners flying into some major buildings in in, in the major city of the United States. An airliner flying into the side of like the military headquarters, the symbol of, in a sense, of America's military might, flying into that building. I remember I was over here on Rosetta Street, um, where Teleos was, uh, on the second floor of the building. I'm not sure what's in the building now, next to uh, Tropical Exterminators there. Teaching a uh, Old Testament survey course. Some of you might have been there. Anybody remember that? Was anybody in class with me that day that was here? No? Why are we, why are we laughing? There might be somebody here. I, I think maybe Patrice might have been there. At any rate, in fact... Andrea, were you there? Were you in class that day? No, okay. All right, so, so nobody was there. All right, okay. But anyway, we got, a, we got a phone call there at Teleos that this was happening. And at first, you know, if you remember, the, the first thought was that, you know, one of the, the planes, the first one might have been just like a little Cessna. They weren't sure what was going on. It was, you know, maybe a small plane that, you know, maybe it was just an accident. And then as time went on, it became clear that this was no accident. This was a horrific attack on the United States. And I know I went home that day and uh, sat in our house behind uh, Wendy's uh, Mackey Street on um, Ivanhoe. We sat in our living room and for, for hours, really, we watched the, the events unfold and the, and the questions and the confusion. And boy, I remember the people um, the video of the people walking down the streets in New York City just looking absolutely dazed and confused and, and hopeless. And, 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 and I want you to go back to that, and I want you to think for a second, what if we didn't have television? What if we didn't have Internet? And what if after maybe we got the, the first call from somebody who, who either, you know, was in the States or maybe somebody that got the news from somebody in the States and said, yo, America's under attack. The phones went dead. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine like, okay, knowing that, you know, it seems like, you know, I mean, that's some serious business. And then you really don't have any idea what's going on. You know, as we, we turn in the scriptures this morning to Second Chronicles chapter 20, we really see a, a situation where some people were, were kind of in, in that kind of situation, a, a, a huge challenge before them, and they didn't have TV, they didn't have internet, so news of what was going on was, was kind of sparse. But as we look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, Beginning in verse 1, we see Jehoshaphat, the king of, of Judah, and, and the nation of Judah, it, it, they're facing this incredibly huge challenge. Look at it with me. After this, let me pause for a second. After this, this is important. After this, this is that Jehoshaphat had led the people of Judah through a revival. 
Okay, you with me on this? Jehoshaphat has just led the people of Judah to turn their hearts, to turn their lives towards God. They're like on a spiritual high. They're like with God. They're walking with God. They're doing all the right stuff, following God, obeying God. This is like a high point for them in their life and in their nation spiritually. And after this, the bomb hits. Sometimes that happens in life. You're like up here, like, you know, the world is great. The world is awesome. And I don't have any problems. And maybe you're sitting here today and it's like, what's this courageous fear stuff? I'm okay. I could check out because I'm up here. Get ready. And sometimes the bomb hits right when we're at our best. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them, some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Three armies. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, and Gedi. Let me just kind of like let you see this on a map. Okay, here it is. You got somebody to the north, you got somebody kind of like just due east of Jerusalem and coming from the south, and they kind of meet and they've come up the side of the Dead Sea, and they're right there. You see that? They're right there, just south of Jerusalem. And the people come to Jehoshaphat, and they say to him, Jehoshaphat, these three armies, they've all got, they're all ganging up on you. It's all coming at the same time. They're all coming. And it's like everything is coming against you at the same time, Jehoshaphat, and they're right there at your doorstep. Now, you may feel like it, but you probably don't have three major armies coming against you right now. You know, you know maybe, maybe you feel like, you know, you've got some huge stuff coming at you in life right now, but you probably don't have three armies, but you've got your stuff. You've got your huge challenges. Maybe it's, it's health issues. Cancer, health disease, heart disease, some other kind of physical challenge, some chronic illness that you've been dealing with maybe even for years and you're dealing with it all the time and it's flaring up and you're dealing with it and maybe it's financial issues. You got bills you can't pay. You don't know how you're ever going to get out of debt. You're in over your head. You're, you're unemployed or you're underemployed. Whatever it is, you're dealing with some financial issues. You, you maybe have a strained relationship. Your children, you've, you've poured out your heart to them. You love them, but you're just seeing rebellion. They're turning their hearts from God. And, and your heart is broken for your children. Maybe it's your parents, and, and you're struggling with your relationship with your parents taking care of an elderly parent or something like that, but, but some kind of strained relationship, a spouse. Or perhaps it's just a, a, a difficult work environment. You can't seem to get along with your boss. Your boss just seems to be um, unreasonable. Or the employees just don't seem to do their job and you just can't make this business work. There's all kinds of struggles that we can face in life. Job stress, job deadline. So, so we see the, the, the background of this passage here. We're, we're really, we're talking about, uh, times in life when, when life really hurts, when there's challenges. And, and this can be an ongoing thing. Some people, I know some people, some of you out there probably, you say, well, that's just my life 
all the time. I feel like I'm always dealing with huge challenges. I got all kinds of things. I just feel like I'm always dealing with, with problems and challenges in life. And if it's not all the time, you face them. Big ones, small ones, on a, on a weekly, if not a daily basis. But, you know, as we, as we look at, as we look at Jehoshaphat and, and, and what he faced here, we see right away after he gets this report where uh, courage meets fear. Where courage meets fear. Look at me at verse 3. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. It's like, okay, dude, I'm right there with you. I got the fear part. Three armies? Yeah, I'd be afraid. They're right there at the doorstep? Yeah, I'd be terrified. This is serious. Jehoshaphat was afraid, but, but look at this. It doesn't stop there. This is very important. The passage doesn't stop there. Watch this. There's four ends. A-N-D. Four ends. Jehoshaphat was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord and Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. You know, fear is, is, is a very... A very real reaction to life sometimes. It's not fear. Maybe you say, you know, I don't know if I've ever really been afraid in my life. I, I get that because that's what I would say. I, I can't say that I ever remember a time I was really afraid. I can think of one. It just came to my mind. So, yeah, I'm a liar. I have, I have been afraid. But I'm not typically a person that's, like, afraid. And maybe you're like that. But I'm sure you face anxiety and worry, frustration. Negative emotions is a, a very real reaction to the things that come at us in life sometimes. Because life is hard sometimes. But the thing is, like Jehoshaphat, we, we just can't let that take control of us. Really, w- what needs to happen is fear needs to be a, a, a trigger for us. Now listen to me. Just listen, listen to this. Get this. Fear worry, anxiety, those negative emotions that come in when life comes at us should be, needs to be a trigger for us. What we need to do is when we start to have these negative emotions, when we start to have the fear, the worry, anxiety, we got to say, wait a minute, trigger time. I got to stop and I got to drop and I got to roll. It's not just for fires. I got to stop Looking at my circumstances, I got to stop the worry, the fear, the anxiety. I got to stop all this negative stuff that's going on within me. I got to drop to my knees and I got to roll into reliance and focus on the character of God. And so this fear, like it was for Jehoshaphat, needs to be a trigger for us to help us to, to realize that we were not designed. We were not designed. You were not designed to face life on your own. God didn't make you to do this yourself. God made you. God designed you. It's part of your DNA as a human being that God designed you to go through this with him in reliance on him. So there's fear, yes. But as we look at Jehoshaphat, there's also a determination to seek God. There's, there's leadership of others. He calls all the people to come together. 
and, and to seek the Lord and to focus on God, not just the armies. There's a, a powerful example that he gives to the people of, of his determination to trust God and to seek God. And let me just pause for a second again. Speak to those of you who are in maybe a position of leadership or influence, especially parents, okay, grandparents. There's something that we can learn that's very critical, very valuable for us from Joshua here. And here it is. We set an example for our children, for our grandchildren, for those that we influence of what it looks like to face the challenges of life in a way that honors God. You hear me? Our children can look at us, and the, when trouble hits us, they see how we react. Are we filled with worry and anxiety and fear? Do we stress out, or do we demonstrate to them that, yes, the, the, the fear is real. Yes, the circumstances are real. Yes, we're facing danger, difficult times, a challenge, but we trust in God. Parents, this is critical. You see your teenagers that are anxious and fearful and full of worry and anxiety? Look back here. Look back here and say, what kind of example do I set for them in handling life? Courage meets fear. When we determine to act with character and with honor in the face of the challenges for the glory of God. Yes, there's the challenges, but I am determined that I'm going to face this challenge for the glory of God. I'm going to honor who my God is as I face this challenge so that people could look at me and see, man, look at how they're handling this. And I hear what you're saying. And yes, there is a great God. I see that you have a, a firm confidence and trust in God. So what does it look like? It, it, it's, it's a focus away from our circumstances. It's a focus to God and looking at the glory of God. So let's look at how Jehoshaphat does that. Five principles here. These principles are extremely important. I, I promise you, you follow these principles. These, prom, these principles will take you through a lot of trouble in life. So let's look at these five principles together, and, and I trust that we'll all each take them and apply them to life together. Number one, courage is built on a firm grasp of the sovereign control of God over all creation, history, humanity, and events. Again, remember the background. Jehoshaphat, there's three armies that are coming up against you. They're right on your doorstep. Jehoshaphat, they're coming up for battle. They're coming to destroy you. Jehoshaphat turns to God, turns from his fear to focus on God. He calls all the people to turn to God, to seek God. And here's what he says, O Lord of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Jehoshaphat gets himself before God to seek God. And Joshua says, God, aren't you God? And for Joshua, that's not like a question like, God, could you tell me? You know, I need to know God. Would you tell me that you're God? No, Joshua, it's a confidence. Look at the next phrase. You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Jehoshaphat knows this. It's a confidence. And, and, and his courage faced fear with his knowledge, his understanding, his confidence in the fact that God is in sovereign control of these nations. 
So it's really a question of what are you looking at? You're looking at your circumstances, your problems, or are you looking at God who's in control of those circumstances, of those problems? And I ask you a question, whatever it is that comes to your mind when you think of the struggles, the problems, the challenges of life, whatever it is that comes to mind, let me ask you a question. Could God change it? Could God make something else happen? Could God have prevented it? If you're not answering that question, yes, then, then, then you're really denying the existence of God. God is in sovereign control. Second, courage is built on a firm conviction. Courage is built on a firm conviction. If you're taking notes, and, and it's okay if you're not, but if you're taking notes under those two, underline those two words, firm conviction. Courage is built on a firm conviction that the power of God is great enough to defeat any threat to his plan for our ultimate good. God's power is great enough to deal with any threat that might come against his plan for our ultimate good. And so Jehoshaphat goes on, he says, in your hand, in your hand, are power and might so that, what is it? None is able to withstand you. None is able to withstand you. Judah, look at this. Judah is being stared down. Jehoshaphat is being stared down by three armies. It's inevitable defeat and destruction. They're powerful. But... What Jehoshaphat is recognizing here as he turns his attention off the circumstances and on to God, what Jehoshaphat is recognizing here and affirming for himself and for the people is that all power finds its source in God, that his army's got nothing. They got nothing if God doesn't let them do it. If God doesn't give them the power, if God doesn't let them do what they want to do. God's fully able to stop this. Jehoshaphat realizes that. In December of 2012, I faced a situation where I lost my job. My, my boss did not want me to lose my job, but there were some, some legal issues and, and, and paperwork, uh, red tape with a corporation in Tennessee. And they said, no, you know, you have to put them on leave of absence. So we got to deal with some paperwork issues until we can get that cleared up and all the paperwork right. You got to let him go. And I remember so clearly sitting in my boss's office one day and thinking and saying to her, as we're discussing this, they can't do anything. Nothing can happen unless God allows it. They can't do anything. Nothing can happen unless God allows it. And if God allows it, God has a good purpose and a good plan for it to take that in my life and turn it around and use it for good in my life. It's all going to work out in his plan. Number three, courage is built on recalling and reflecting on what God has done in the past. And trusting in the continued faithfulness of God to keep his promises now and in the future. So it's, it's a focus 
on the sovereign control of God. It's a focus on the power of God. And then it's a focus on the faithfulness of God. And what we're going to see Jehoshaphat do as we look at these verses is he looks back and he remembers and he recalls and he focuses on how God has been faithful to him and to his people in the past. Do, do you not our God, did you not our God drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, our friend? God, didn't you do this? Yeah, God, you did this. You you came through for us before. God, we, we got chased by Egypt, and man, we went through the Red Sea, and you 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 drowned them all. Yeah, you 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 had us then. Verse eight. And they, your people, have lived in this land and have built for you in this land a sanctuary, the temple, for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand in this house and before you. God, we built this place to come before you together as your people. For your name is in this house. We came, we, we built this to come into your presence together into, into to this place where your name is, where you are and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save. You will hear, and you will save. So Jehoshaphat focused. He looked back. He focused on on recalling that God has been faithful in the past. Listen, I've got my stories, and you've got your stories. And if maybe at this point in your life you don't have any big story where you could you could see God's faithfulness and bringing you through something that was a, a huge challenge, you know of other people. We all have our stories. We know the stories. We see it over and over in the Scriptures as well. God's faithfulness. And I'm sure most of us could think back to a time in our life when, when we faced this kind of huge challenge and God brought us through. And, and many of us could look back on those things and say, God... You delivered me before. You brought me through a situation. God, I see where I, I, I was just totally confused. I was totally lost. I didn't know what was happening. I was, I was so frustrated and overwhelmed with my job, with my family, with this relationship, with my finances, with, with whatever, whatever the junk was in my life at that point. God, you brought me through it. And I could see, I could see on the other side of it that God, you worked in my life. You matured me. You grew me. And, and what I thought was the end, you turned it around and all of a sudden, bam, out of nowhere, things just totally shifted and you turned it around. And, and, and God, I've seen how amazing you are and what you could do in the past. Sometimes in life, many times in life, it's critical for us to go back and see and look at the faithfulness of God. But not just in our own lives. It's critical for us to go back to Scripture and remember and recall and, and even preach to ourselves the promises of God from Scripture. When I say preach to yourself, look, l- listen, sometimes you just got to go in the mirror and you got to stare yourself down. Okay? Maybe you don't need the mirror, you know, but some, some of you, maybe you just need to look in the mirror and point yourself and say, shut up. Stop your nonsense. Stop your foolishness. Stop doubting God. Stop this anxiety. Trust in God. God's told you he will work everything for your your good. God has promised you he will never leave you or forsake you. God has promised you he will never stop loving you. 
and tell yourself the truth and recall the faithfulness of God through the past and in the present and into the future. Number four, courage is built on patient trust in God to vindicate righteousness and justice in his time and in his way and and to refuse to take matters into our own hands. See, here's the deal, okay? You, You read through the Old Testament, you're going to see different times where the kings of Israel face the same kind of situation and armies coming up to destroy them. The odds are hopeless. And, and it's like fear strikes them and we're going to be devastated. And what they do is they take matters into their own hands. And, and sometimes they went to Syria. Hello, Israel going to Syria for help. Hello, does that make sense? Or they went down to Egypt. Hello, God brought us out of bondage to Egypt. And they went to Egypt and say, yo, could you help us? Okay, And they took matters into their own hands when they were facing these insurmountable odds at times in the past. Look what Jehoshaphat does. And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy. What he's saying here is, God, look. Okay, when we're coming out of Egypt... We could have dealt a nasty blow to these armies. We could have dealt with them then. God, man, you were, you were with us and, and, and man, God, you were just rocking the house with destroying people and, and clearing the way before us. And God, we could have dealt with these people back then. But God, you told us not to. God, you told us to leave them alone. Okay? God, we obeyed you. We did what you wanted to do. God, we have been obedient to you. God, I'm in this situation right now because actually I've been doing the right thing and some people don't like it. My boss don't like it that I won't cheat. My boss don't like it that I won't, you know, kind of play around with the books. My coworkers don't like it and they're persecuting me because I'm honest. Verse 11, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. They're facing injustice. This is not right. They were good to these people. They spared them. They were obedient to God. This is absolute injustice that now these armies would come up to attack them. And so Jehoshaphat is coming before God and saying, God, here's the deal. We've been obedient to you, but we're going to wait on you. God, we're going to trust in you that you are going to be true to your justice and your righteousness in this situation. And so I want to ask you a question. What do you do when you're on the wrong side of injustice? What do you do when you're on the wrong side of injustice? How do you respond? Will you trust God and say, God, I'm going to let you take care of this. Help me just to be obedient. Whatever God you want me to do, I'll do it. But whatever you don't want me to do, God, help me that I won't take matters into my own hands and try and manipulate and control and twist and maybe be tempted to lie and do the wrong thing because the wrong thing has been done to me. Some of you heard of uh, Corey Ten Boom. Okay, who's heard of Corey Ten Boom? Okay, enough of you haven't heard of her. I better tell you who she is. Okay, Corey Ten Boom was a woman who was put into a Nazi concentration camp. Okay, ugly place, ugly situation, huge, huge injustice. In fact, she and her family 
had been protecting Jews from the Nazis and keeping them from being, being caught and, and slaughtered by the Nazis. So this woman was a good woman. She was doing some good things. She was put into a concentration camp. She, after she was released, she lived here with the only one in her family that did. She went around sharing the gospel, the gospel of forgiveness. And she was in Germany in 1947. And she approached a former Ravensbrück camp guard. Ravensbrück being the concentration camp that she was put in where her sister died at the hands of the Nazis. She approached this former guard who had been known as one of the cruelest of the guards at that camp, maybe directly involved in her sister's death. She says she was reluctant to forgive him. She prayed that she would be able to forgive him. She wrote in one of her books, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did at that moment. What was she doing? She was saying, God, you're the one who vindicates. God, you're the one who has to deal with, with righteousness and what is right and vindicating righteousness and justice. So what do you do when you're on the wrong side of injustice? Courageous fear comes when we say, God, I'm going to trust you that you'll deal with this. You'll take care of this when you see fit, how you see fit. And God, right now, I just want to honor you. And God, I'm going to have the courage to just do what's right, even though it scares me like crazy. Number five, courage is built on a humble recognition that my abilities and solutions are absolutely inadequate, but but God's abilities and God's solutions far surpass any challenge I will ever face. It's the humble recognition. Now, this, this seems counterintuitive that courage comes when I realize I ain't got it. Okay? But true courage is not found in, in me trying to, to convince myself that, that I have what it takes to fix my problems. Hear me. True courage doesn't come by you trying to find within yourself what it takes to face and fix your challenges. True courage comes when I realize it is not in me to fix my challenges, but it is in God. See, because no matter how much I look within myself and I say, well, you know, what? I think I can handle this. I can work this one. I think I could pull through this. I think my doctor could help me with this. I think I could get another job. I think I could do this to, to, to fix the finances. I think I could. Sooner or later, you're going to see you come short of, of having what it takes. But true courage is, I don't have it, but God, you do. Look what Jehoshaphat says here. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? God, what they're doing is just wrong. God, won't you deal with it? Won't you deal with it? For we are powerless against this great horde, this incredible army that's coming against us. 
We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. God, it's not in us, but it is in you. It's not in us, but it is in you. When you're facing the difficulties, the challenges of life, that is something that needs to be on your heart and on your mind. God, it's not in me, but it is in you. It's not in me, but it is in you. I don't have it, but God, I know you do. I know you do. And so, God, I'm afraid, but God, I'm going to face this circumstance. I'm going to face, I'm going to stand up to this fear with confidence, not in myself, but God, in you, because it's not in me, but it is in you. It is in you. It is in you. So we, we face these circumstances, and, and there's fear, but, but fear can be met with courage. Fear can be met with courage when we, when we turn away from focusing on our circumstances and we focus on a God who is in sovereign control, a God who is all-powerful, who can do whatever he wants. He can change it. He can fix it. He can do whatever he wants. We focus on a God who is faithful to keep his promises. We focus, focus on a God who has promised, who will vindicate righteous and enact justice. And we come before that God and we say, God, it's not in me, but I know It's in you. I don't know what to do. I ain't got a clue. And ain't no way I can fix this. But God, even though it ain't in me, it is in you. I know that. I know that. So here it is. Let me wrap it up. Courageous fear. Courageous fear can be found when I focus on the sovereign control of God over all my challenges. There ain't nothing that God's not in control of. And I'll find courageous fear when I recognize the sovereign control of God over all my challenges, the power of God to defeat any threat, the faithfulness of God in all my challenges, past, present, and future, the righteousness and justice of God in all he does. And the need to abandon self-reliance, to rely with confidence on God alone. There it is. Five principles that can take you a long way through some pretty huge challenges. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God that that meets us in our place of need. And sometimes it's big, huge stuff that comes along just like every once in a while in life. But then, man, it's just a lot of junk that we deal with every day and some ongoing stuff in, in our lives, at, on our job, at school, in our business, in our families, in our finances. God, just, boy, just a lot of junk that we deal with in life at times. God, that stuff that can get us down that maybe we're not afraid, but maybe we just got anxiety and, 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 and worry, frustration. God, help us to, to, to pause, to stop, and not let it end with the negativity, but God, to face that negativity with courageous fear, focusing on you, our sovereign, all-powerful God, who is faithful and who is just and who has everything we need to face our challenges in a way that honors you. 
God, work in us these truths for your honor and for your glory. Amen.